Hello and welcome to the Diet Diatribe podcast. This show is designed to talk about all of the honest failures and successes when it comes to diet and exercise. Yes, we want this to be uplifting, but we also want it to be truthful and realistic. As we age, we all know our bodies slow down, metabolisms drop off, and sex drives go haywire, and nothing goes the way we want it to. But we want to talk about all these things and share our crazy little stories about what we do to try to lose weight and get healthy, as well as what we do wrong in that battle. This is the podcast Diet Diary of Sorts, and each week we're going to break down our diet, exercise, and have guests on the show who are going to talk about their stories as well. Here it is for this week. This is my diet diatribe for the week ending in bum, 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 March 1st. Folks, can you believe we are already into March? I feel like it was just the other day that we were celebrating the new year into 2020, and now here we are into March already. This is so crazy. Anyway, um, this week has been a lot of ups and downs for me. I have been pretty stressed in the process of selling a home and trying to get a lot of different projects up off the ground, including a couple of books that I've written, getting them published and all that. So that was a lot of work. And I spent quite a few days in the office where I did not leave until 10 or 11 o'clock at night, which some people know how that feels. It's draining. And I haven't had a lot of time for exercise this week. So basically, my exercise regime for the week was I had four days this week, and I'm recording this on Sunday, March the 1st. And for this week, I only had three days of exercise, which is much less than I prefer. The other four days of the week, I did spend some moderate time walking. So it wasn't as though I didn't do anything, but it ended up being like two, two and a half miles. So it was a little bit less than I would have preferred at this stage in my game, my diet game. But I did run five miles three days this week. So that was a huge, huge thing for me. And my food intake this week was a little bit, eh, I didn't do any meal prep and I got super lazy and I had lean cuisine spaghetti for like four days this week and smart ones egg scramble for breakfast <laughs> for like every single day because I just didn't feel like meal prepping. I didn't feel like getting into measuring things out. I didn't feel like going to the store. So I went one time I had these microwave dinners and breakfast and that's basically what I ate all week wasn't super balanced, wasn't the healthiest thing for you. A lot of preservatives, a lot of additives. I would not recommend that on the whole. That being said, I also had champagne, at least a glass a night for four days this week, which is a lot more than I would like as well. I try to limit that to about two days a week, but I did get two books published this week. So I celebrated <laughs> by having a glass of champagne on either one of those times. Once those two books got published, I got one that was actually put onto the platform on Tuesday of this last week and one that was put on on Friday. So I had a glass of champagne each one of those nights to celebrate that. So I kind of feel like that was a little bit out of the ordinary. I like to try to keep my alcohol intake to about a, no more than like glass or two, like two or three days a week at the very most. Uh, and I typically don't drink the heavier stuff. I'll do maybe a shot or two of some kind of whiskey or vodka or something if I do drink. And I try to mix it with a soda or something that doesn't have a lot of calories in it. I know last week we talked about adding soda water to drinks and things like that rather than like Coke or Pepsi so that we could cut the calories down. But 
On the whole, I'm very excited to report this week that my weight is down three pounds. Three pound weight loss for the week, which is very exciting. I hope that I can continue to get that scale going down. And I think that's because I definitely cut back on my sugar intake. And I this week made a huge push. Normally, I would have the Starbucks refreshers in the morning, and those tend to be about 100 to like 350 calories with like. 15 to 40 or 50 grams of sugar per each one. And instead of doing that this week, I only had one the entire week. I was really proud of myself. The rest of the week, I had those emergency energy fizz drinks, and they were approximately 35 calories and maybe one or two grams of sugar each. So I was really, really excited to be able to cut back on the sugar from those caffeine morning drinks that I do. Granted, I don't drink coffee, so it's a little bit more challenging for me to get that up and awake in the mornings. So I stick with the refreshers because they have the green tea, caffeine, and that sort of thing, or green coffee bean extract or whatever it is that gives that caffeine punch to kind of get me up and awake in the morning. But I stuck to the sugar-free or the low, low, low sugar versions this week, and I feel like that's part of the reason why I made the kind of progress that I did in the weight category this week. So three pounds is not huge, but it is a nice amount for me to kind of feel like I am making good progress and I need to just keep that up. And I also feel that it has a lot to do with running those three times in the week as well. My body tends to do a whole lot better when I, one, cut sugar, and two, run. So like weight workouts are very, very important, especially as you start to age and get older because your body and your bone density and things like that really need that to burn calories in an effective way. So I highly, highly, highly recommend that you folks get out there and get a some sort of a weight training program in place if you don't already. But for me, I need to do that and I need to do cardio on a regular basis. And when I say cardio, I don't mean just like a casual walk around the neighborhood, even if it's five miles. Mine has to be one where I'm sweating and like actually getting my heart rate up into a good range. And that usually involves running anywhere from three to five miles, at least three or four days a week. I try to do it every other day, but sometimes I get to the end of the week and I haven't done it. So I do it like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And that tends to be a little bit harder. I find myself getting a whole lot more fatigued a lot easier, but it's better than nothing, I suppose. Anyway, this week I have an article that I wanted to share with you guys about reasons why you might potentially not be losing the kind of weight that you want to lose. And the article I found was on yahoo.com. It originally came out on Good Housekeeping. And it's called Seven Reasons Why You're Gaining Weight Out of Nowhere. And I thought this was really important because there are a lot of people that are like really struggling in many ways to lose weight. And they feel like their diet's pretty healthy and that they're exercising regularly. And they just don't understand why they're continuing to either gain weight or stay at the same place where they always have been. So here is the article. It's understandable when you gain a few pounds after vacation or if you break your ankle and spend about six weeks propped up on the sofa, binging on cooking shows and chocolate scones, etc., etc. But when you can't zip your jeans up for no freaking reason at all, you swear you're not going to eat anymore and you're going to exercise, 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 but it feels like there is some dark magic at play. You may find yourself standing on the bathroom scale and screaming into the void, why am I gaining weight? Take a deep breath. 
you guys got this. Most likely there is something in your life that has shifted just enough to make a difference, but not so much that you'd actually notice. And these are doctors and obesity specialists that are weighing in on this. And they're saying that they see this all the time. You may not skip, you may not step on the scale for a while and you may feel like you haven't changed anything, but all of a sudden you go to the doctor's office and notice you've gained like 10 to 20 pounds. This doesn't mean it's your destiny to go up to another size every year. Here are some of the most likely reasons for unexplained weight gain and how you can stop it in its tracks. Number one, your insulin levels may be out of whack. This is a pretty common one. If you've been battling weight issues for a while and none of your efforts are moving the needle, make an appointment to see your primary care doctor or a weight management physician who can assess you for insulin resistance or prediabetes. Your doctor can also test you for hypothyroidism. This is a condition in which your thyroid gland doesn't produce enough hormone and it slows down your metabolism, potentially leading to weight gain. Insulin is the hormone that signals the body to pull glucose out of the bloodstream and store it in the muscles, liver, and fat. An obesity medicine specialist said... But when you're overweight, the cells don't recognize the insulin as well, so the pancreas has to pump out more and more, sometimes two or three times the normal amount until the cells respond. This is also common in women who have polycystic ovary syndrome. This is a condition in which the egg follicles in the ovaries bunch together to form cysts. These high insulin levels keep the body in storage mode and make weight loss more difficult, say doctors. The beginning of this road is insulin resistance. When your pancreas is working overtime, but blood sugar levels are still normal. All that work wears out the pancreas until it can barely do the job of keeping the blood sugar in normal range. If left unchecked, insulin resistance can lead to prediabetes in which blood sugar levels are slightly elevated. If that's not treated, you can develop full-blown type 2 diabetes. And everybody knows that we want to avoid that if we can. But the most effective way to reverse this trend is to eat a diet that is low in refined carbohydrates and added sugars. And as well, you need to become more physically active since muscles respond better to insulin after exercise. Doctors recommend either investing in a fitness tracker or simply using the one that comes with your phone. I use my Fitbit that comes on my iPhone and that comes in pretty handy rather than having a bunch of extra devices that you have to strap on or remember to wear each day. People hear you need 10,000 steps each day, which sounds intimidating, but you can also use it just to see where you're at and make doable increases. If you're at 2,000 steps, try to up it to 2,500 steps a day the next week and continue to increase week by week. Swapping to foods with lower glycemic indexes also means they're digesting more slowly and keeping your blood sugar levels steady. It's also important to control your insulin levels. Doctors recommend that lower GI food swaps, riced cauliflower instead of white rice, zucchini spirals, or shirataki noodles made from plant fiber instead of pasta, and pumpernickel or stone ground whole wheat bread instead of white bread or bagels. Obviously, right? Those are things I'm sure we've all heard before. Stress and exhaustion can also throw you off. If you are up at night worrying about your aging parents, your hormone levels, your teens, and the general crappy state of the world, this can affect your metabolism. Stress and lack of sleep can cause a cascade of hormonal changes that change your metabolism and affect your sense of hunger and fullness, doctors say. 
Stress pumps up the hormones which increase your appetite and make you crave carbs. At the same time, it dials down the hormone leptin, which helps you feel full. Not surprisingly, though, a recent Swedish study of, of 3,800 women over 20 years found that the more stressed you are by work, the more likely you are to gain weight. Surprise, surprise. Stress also affects your ability to get a good night's sleep, and we know that a lack of sleep can also throw off your metabolism rates and hunger cues. So, so true. So the fix for this one is relatively easy. You can manage your stress by downloading free apps, which can help you work towards personal goals like thinking positively, decreasing anxiety, and by sending you meditations and visualizations and visualizations to do throughout the day. To sleep more soundly, you already know you should put down your phone, computer, and iPad one hour before bedtime. But new research suggests that shutting out all light, including that sliver of moon through your window, can help with both sleep and metabolism. A study at Northwestern University of School of Medicine found that subjects spent just one night sleeping in a room with dim light, insulin levels the next morning were significantly higher than those who slept in complete darkness, potentially affecting metabolism rates. So consider investing in some very good blackout drapes. This is something that I myself use. I find that it is very, very important and critical to me getting a good night's sleep and staying asleep throughout the night. Allergy pills can also be to blame. We're not 100% sure why, but it's believed that histamines, chemicals produced by your immune system to fight allergens, have a role in appetite control, say doctors. That means that antihistamines can cause you to eat more. A large study from Yale University confirmed that there's a correlation between your regular prescription antihistamine use and obesity. Doctors point out that some antihistamines, such as Benadryl, can also cause drowsiness, which could make you less apt to exercise. So what you can do to combat this is if you suffer from seasonal allergies and are constantly taking antihistamines, talk to your allergist about alternate treatments like nasal steroid sprays, nasal antihistamines, which have less absorption into the bloodstream and therefore less effect on hunger, leukotriene inhibitors, such as Singular, or allergy shots. Doctors also say that managing your environment, using a HEPA filter, washing your sheets frequently in hot water, keeping pets out of the bedroom as well, can help reduce the need for allergy medications. And while you're at it, do an inventory of any prescription medications you're taking that are known to cause weight gain, including certain antidepressants, beta blockers, corticosteroids, and birth control shots. Discuss this with your doctor and see if there are equally effective alternatives that do not affect your weight. Another thing that can impact us is having portions that are bigger than you think they are. Anyone, anyone who's ever sat at a vinyl booth staring down at a big bowl of pasta knows that portion sizes in America are ginormous. But research from the University of Liverpool published last year found that after being served large-sized meals outside the home, people tend to serve themselves larger portions up to a week later meaning that supersizing appears to be a normalized thing. So once you start getting it in the restaurants, you start doing it at home as well. Even if your home-cooked portions have crept up only 5% over the last few years, that could be an extra 100 calories a day, which adds up to more than 11 pounds a year, say doctors. And 
Not to mention the official measure of what is a serving is not helping. FDA standards for how many servings are in a package of food are based on how much food people actually eat, not how much you should eat. For example, to reflect the growing appetites of American people, a serving of ice cream was increased last year from one half a cup to two thirds of a cup. More realistic, perhaps, but still more calories than many of us need. Here's what you can do. Experts suggest you spend a few days getting to know yourself and how much food you're actually eating at each meal. When you pour the cereal in the bowl in the morning, pour it into a measuring cup. What you think is one cup might actually be three, especially when you're eating a large bowl. Also, instead of relying on government agencies, the chef at your local restaurant to tell you how much you should eat, learn to listen to your own body. Serve yourself just one modest portion on a small plate, and when you're done, wait 20 minutes. It takes that long for the hormones in your belly to reach your brain and tell you if you're full. If you get to 20 minutes and your stomach is still grumbling, then have a few more bites. The next thing on this list is you're eating the right thing, but at the wrong times. Let's say you've switched jobs recently and dinner's now at 9 p.m. instead of 6.30. Or your new habit of streaming Netflix until the wee hours also involves snacking well past midnight. Even if you're not eating more per se, this change might account for extra poundage. There's a delicate balance between your circadian rhythm, which is the way your body and brain respond to the daily cues of daylight and darkness, and your calorie intake that can mean the same sandwich or bowl of froyo that you eat at lunchtime might actually cause more of a weight gain when you eat it at night. Studies say that when college students ate food closer to their bedtime and therefore closer to when the sleep-inducing hormone of melatonin was released, they had higher percentages of body fat and a body mass index that was higher as well. Researchers theorize that this is because the amount of energy your body uses to digest and metabolize food drops as your inner clock tells it to get ready to go to bed, right? So what you can do, and there are a few life hacks to get this late night snacking in check, doctors, doctors suggest you commit to writing down every bite you eat after dinner, whether it's a sticky pad or an app, keeping track of what you eat and how much you're eating and how you feel when you eat will hold you accountable for the calories and help you figure out if you're truly hungry or just bored. Experts also suggest capping off your evening meal with a brain and heart healthy tablespoon of fish oil. It's a healthy fat that coats your stomach and makes you feel less hungry later. That's really, really interesting and such a good hack. Your healthy food is packed with calories, and this can be another thing that's causing you to gain weight. You could be eating the cleanest, most organic, dietitian-approved variety of plant-based or ethically farmed food, but that does not mean that the calories evaporate into pixie dust when they go into your mouth. Fact, research shows that when you're eating something healthy like avocados, salad, yogurt, whole grains, etc., part of your attention to the fullness tends to turn off. Even when you're eating healthy foods, you, you really have to pay attention to your hunger and fullness levels. In several studies, doctors have found that when they perceive a food as healthy, it creates a bias in your own judgment. And we think, consciously or not, that you can eat more of it with no problem. We think that a salad is healthy, so we feel we can eat as much as we want with as many dressings and toppings as we want. This is not the case. First of all, we need to treat eating like going to the theater and turn your phone off and turn away from the computer or TV screen. We have found that when you're eating and working on your computer or watching TV or screen, you are disconnected from your hunger and fullness cues. 
experts say. Try an app which helps you sort out questions like which healthy yogurts are full of sugar and calories and how much avocado you should spread on your toast. Very, very interesting. Another thing on this list is your age. Each birthday you celebrate one more year with one undeniable change, your basal resting metabolism. And this is, this is the rate at which your body at rest burns the energy you take in from food. This slows down each year. And it's not a dramatic drop, say doctors. But as you age, you're probably also getting less active and more tired. And your body tends to lose muscle mass, which burns calories more effectively than fat. So even if you're eating the exact same amount of food you did when you were young, your body is simply not burning it off as effectively as it did in the glory days of your 20s and teens. Here's what you want to do. You can only budge your BMR a little, but there are a few things you can do to make the math work in your favor. The first is to build up your calorie burning muscle. You keep up your cardio three times a week for 30 minutes at least and add challenging weight training on top of that. Experts also recognize doing exercises at home might also be helpful. Start with some chair squats or tricep dips and push-ups or standing squats. Another metabolism boosting strategy is to replace some of the carbohydrates in your diet with proteins, which take more energy to digest and therefore burn off calories through diet-inducing thermogenesis, as well as making you feel fuller for longer. Eat about 100 grams of protein over the course of the day and fill your plate with lean chicken, fish, shrimp, or plant-based proteins like garbanzo beans, edamame, etc. This will give your meals more metabolism bang for your buck. This may only add up to a weight loss of a few pounds a year, but combined with exercise, the cumulative effect can be significant. Very, very interesting. Good stuff and very helpful tips. On that note, we are going to go ahead and wrap up the podcast for the night. Good night, folks. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can shoot us an email at dietdiatribepodcast at yahoo.com, and we will throw that into the show notes as well. Tune in next week when we share more stories of the diet, diatribe, exercise, dietary failures, and successes. Good night, folks.